0: Hey everybody, I'm Aiden Mattis. Welcome to the Lore Lodge official podcast. This
1: is the amazing Aiden Thornbury who is getting less and less blonde by the day. And uh, according to himself, looks like a young Santa Claus. I don't quite understand what he means by this, but it is what it is. Joining us is a fantastic guest who I've been very excited about all week. This is Milo, aka Mini Minute Man on everything. Uh, Milo, you want to introduce yourself to the people? Oh, well, this is going to be
0: fun. Uh, hang on, hang I think on. the people are, what? Real quick, they're, yes. uh, his audio is not going through. I think it may be because it's going through your headphones. It's not going through to oh no. them. So they're not so hearing him? They're not hearing him at, at all. all. At all. Well, that's disappointing. So me. we're going to fix that. we got to fix
1: that, yeah. yeah. See, I knew it. I, I something knew Something always has to go wrong. It's always something. Ugh. Uh, let's
0: see. Yeah, right. That'll... We did
1: this. Uh, wait, you know what it might be? I wonder... Uh, I think it's what? It might be the volume on here. What do you mean? It might be that they can't hear him because the volume on here was set very low, so only I could
0: hear Maybe? Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: Milo, give us a little talk. Uh, a little blurb. You, you no, I think it's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the issue because when the desktop audio, there's no levels coming in at all. Hmm. So... Hmm. That figures this one yep.
1: happened to us every time. Yep. Uh, all right, so we're picking up the small Yeti, they're not picking up him. Um, yeah, he's just the same thing. I here, think. Yeah, turn off the Yeti one, we don't need that. Um, all right, we're working on it, kids. We're working on
0: it. <laughs> uh, uh, here, all
1: right. Um, well, switch funny. us here. Uh, easy fix, easy fix. Switches over to desktop audio. Yep. And then and now I should be able to hear straight through.
0: Milo, give us a go. Oh, what is this? Just click on it. Just click on it. Hang on. Hang on. Alright,
1: go yeah. down here. good. Uh, try sending it through. Yeah, is
0: it not? Uh
1: okay, this definitely
0: worked last time. I know right? it did. It's, uh, this is this is the weird thing about doing this, is that we could do the same thing three weeks in a row. We routinely do the same thing three weeks in a but row. But somehow there's an issue that none of us know what the hell it is. So let's try... Here, wait, it. wait, wait. I think I know what it might be. Um, go to the yep. audio oh. settings. Uh, on Discord. <clears throat> yeah, hang on. What I'm going to do, though... Comes... Sorry, everybody.
1: Stand by. We're having technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get a technical difficulties waiting
0: screen. We do. <laughs> Um, uh. Let's see, where's the thing up there, there it is. Here we go. And right. um, then, settings, video. Output device, try speakers. Right. That's probably part of it. Uh, Myla, give us a little bit of a blurb. Okay. Nothing. I got them, I got them. You got them, but there's, still, got no, got them, but there's, there's still no, up still up no here. levels here. the hell? Here, let me see. Go ahead.
1: If you're wondering, yes, this ex- this is exactly how streaming works. This is how it
0: always goes. Yeah, uh it you know, shouldn't be that. Yeah, because that's that's been fine in the past. Yeah. Desktop audio setup. Well, let's see. You know what it could be? It could be the simplest of all stupid things. Um remove it and then start it over naturally Fucking driving me insane
1: um audio output capture um, Add source and source i can rename it later that's not the problem device speakers okay cool so all right milo give us a
2: Testing, testing. There we go. I did it. Well me. done, sir. I did
1: oh my god, god. Aiden. Let's get us, Good let's work, get us Aiden. Back into YouTube. Alright, everybody. How
0: many Aidens <laughs> does it take to change a desktop output setting? Apparently number, a number of them. <laughs> Alright. Okay.
1: Let's go. Might as well introduce everybody to Archie as well.
2: Oh, Jesus, that'll, that'll yeah. sweeten every yeah, see, everyone up go. a little bit. Sorry, everybody. All I right. to
1: have so many audio-technical issues. This is Archie. It doesn't matter. Someone's excited anyway. Who cares? All right, cool. <laughs> I'm going to put the dog back down. Okay, sorry, Milo. So, yeah, we're doing fine. Everybody heard my intro, but for anyone who's stopped in since then, uh, welcome to the Liberal Lodge. <laughs> I'm Aiden Mattis. I'm the host of the show. This is my producer, Aiden Thorbury. Um, Santa Claus thing. Okay, Milo, reintroduce yourself to the people. <laughs>
2: that i can do <clears throat> howdy everyone uh my name is milo uh i use the alias mini Minuteman. um i'm probably the most known from TikTok, where i do uh videos talking about uh conspiracy theories uh, and archaeology and anthropology. I am a senior, uh, studying environmental science and archaeology, and ideally would like to try and go into archaeology as a field later in life, but, uh, it's not exactly an easy field, so who really knows about that? This is, this is the best I got right now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Um, I know Aiden and I have had some, some back and forth, and we definitely have some pretty interesting, uh, you know, uh, I guess dual content, and so I've been really looking forward to chatting with him for a little bit, and I'm just really happy to be here. So, Aiden's, uh, both of you, thanks for having me on board, and I'm looking forward Thank to hearing you what y'all have to
1: say. Thank you very much for hopping on. Um, yeah, thanks for dealing so, with the uh, technical yeah. tech issues. Tech I, I do want to quickly ask because I've been curious about it. Uh, where where did the Mini Minuteman alias come from?
2: <laughs> so, so the Mini Minuteman alias was actually uh, my it originated as my Minecraft username when I was 12. Um, so, <laughs> Yes. I
1: love it,
2: it's I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a little piece of of lore for for the lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my uh, my best friend actually helped me come up with it. And we, uh, when so I grew up just outside of Lexington, Massachusetts. So we were very you know steeped in the American Revolution culture, and I was really into it. And so I was like, "How can I make a username that ha- it like kind of involves that?" And so my buddy was just off the tip of his tongue as a 12 year old mini Minuteman, and I'm like, "Boom, Golden," and here we are. It works. <laughs> so- <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty so good, yeah. It
0: really does roll off the tongue
1: well, it so does, it works out well. Yeah, I, I love that the backup account is medium Minute Man. That's very funny. To me. <laughs> yeah, Someone and, said well, that if
2: I make a third, it has to be mega, mega Minute yeah. Man. Oh, yeah, I
1: was going to say
0: well, massive. So, so
1: yeah, my, even my personal, backup, my personal backup, the one that's not the Lore Lodge, yeah. is and Aiden Mattis. Really? So I took it and I made it an indefinite article instead of a definite article.
0: <laughs> 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 the, amount, the amount of people in this world that would appreciate the difference between a definite and indefinite article—it's very, very, very niche, very it's niche. It's very like the—I don't know if you saw
1: this, but I—I uh, I made a TikTok a few days ago using the "our table it's broken" sound, but it was about the Bronze Age collapse, and um, almost almost nobody <laughs> got it. It was, it was very niche. <laughs>
2: It was, whoosh. it was good topic that would be was, that would be a fun one to cover at some point i i got
1: to talk about it today I, somebody was like can you tell us about the sea peoples and i was like i can try oh. <laughs> i can do what i can before we know there's not a lot i was like basically just summarizing a, a youtube lecture that i had watched with uh dr eric klein <laughs> and um a fantastic lecture. It's called 1177 BC, uh, like the year the world collapsed or something like that. It's Eric Klein if you look it up. Uh, Highly recommend. Very interesting lecture. And he's very funny. He's a good speaker. Um, I forget what university he teaches at, but he's a PhD. Uh, But so today we have three main topics. And the way this show is structured, the way it goes, for those of you who are new here, is we do about an hour of discussion beforehand and then 30 minutes to 45 minutes of questions. Um, The way we do those questions is that we will answer any Super Chats first, and then if we have time, we will get back to uh, non-Super Chat questions. So that is basically how we fund
0: the show. Uh, That's how we fund large portions of our lives. And we
1: justify doing doing this. (laughs) So feel free to contribute. If you don't, we absolutely understand. There's no pressure to do so. Um, But to to get into it, we're going to have three topics today. Those are going to be prehistoric megalithic architecture, um, the Clovis culture in North America, and the uh, debate over Atlantis and the plausibility of a prehistoric, uh, rather advanced civilization. Not to the ancient aliens level of, you know, uh, whatever the hell is going on in the (laughs) Assassin's Creed backstory. Uh, We're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know, Something more along the lines of like Tenochtitlan in uh, Central America, but that's that's where I ended out on it. I I know if you talk to it, you bring up Atlantis to anybody who's not a mainstream archaeologist and they're going to have some wacky opinions about it. I like to oh, think yeah. I like to think that being a medievalist, I have more down to earth opinions, but. <laughs>
0: We'll find out. Yeah,
2: I feel like one of the one of the best parts about it is if you do bring it up to anybody who is kind of involved in that conspiracy, is every single one of them will tell you that it's in a different part of the world. They'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> they found it in like the deserts of like oh, yeah, Africa. It's the or, eye like, of the Sahara. It's in the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, it's just everywhere. Yeah. Meanwhile, Plato is very <laughs> explicit about where
1: it is. He's like, it's right out past the pillars of Heracles, and that's just right outside the Straits of Gibraltar, right. so...
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, that's the one for me. I'm like, if we're going with
1: Plato's description, um, he's not exactly mincing words. Also, But, of course, there's this whole thing about Athens, and uh, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll start with the, the megalithic architecture. So examples of this, uh, prehistoric megalithic architecture, is um, some of the better-known ones are, like, uh, Stonehenge and the Sphinx. Uh, the Sphinx being kind of on the border of what we'd consider prehistoric, uh, as well as just some of these, these large stone circles and whatnot all throughout Europe, uh, parts of Africa. And um, it, in my opinion, I think some of the ancient terraces in China are very interesting. Con- like how far back they were doing that is fascinating to me. But I I think the, the one that probably draws the most contention is uh, Gobekli Tepe. This is this is the yes. one that is the focus of many Ancient Aliens episodes and a lot of what Graham Hancock talks about. Uh, it was first. Oh yeah, I, I first ran into it in an intro to anthropology course when I was a freshman in college. That was it was uh, you know human evolution or something like that. I can't remember the. It was like Ant 001. Um, and <laughs> it's exactly, very first <laughs> one, yep. exactly. So I uh, and it was the way it was described to us was here's this weird, mysterious megalithic architecture in southern Turkey. We don't know why it was built. But it's here. Um, that was in 2016. There's been further excavation since. Some of it very interesting. Some of it very mundane. But I one thing that I remembered as I was doing some research for this show was you had some opinions about the Sphinx <laughs> and about the Sphinx conspiracy. I do. Conspiracy. I have some so opinions about the Sphinx. I would love for you to for you to tell us a
2: little bit about what what <laughs> grinds your gears regarding Sphinx conspiracy theorists. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, so. I guess, for, for those of you that don't know, there's a conspiracy uh, that involves the idea that beneath the Sphinx is buried a chamber where the supposed aliens that built the pyramids left the, uh, I guess, like, the secrets of humanity. You know, a, a chamber, an Indiana Jones-style thing where you go in and, I don't know, what was the thing in the end of uh, Temple... Not Temple of Doom, in uh, Crystal Skull where the woman just, like, oh, melts God, from getting all the knowledge of the universe. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like that. Just to a really quickly oh. sidetrack,
1: that movie had so much potential,
2: and it just... Oh, threw it away. away. I could, <laughs> I could write a fucking thesis on it. That the scene with the nuke. I don't even. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, wait, 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 <laughs> just, just
0: a minor sidetrack as well. What do you think of the conversation or like the debate in terms of this? Questions for both of you, in terms of the fact that the movie did so poorly because the only two really successful ones of that franchise were Christian focused, whereas the ones that deviated from that seemed to do poorly. Uh, I didn't
2: even. I hadn't even thought of that. I have never thought of that. That's interesting. Damn. Yeah, I'll have to, I, I'd, I'd be curious to look more into that yeah I, anyway I guess so it the, would uh, make sense
1: because it's relatable to a broader audience yeah especially in america yeah anyway back to the yeah and it's know. like uh, common folklore
0: yeah. yeah yeah
2: yeah so the sphinx <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, anyway, at the bottom of the Sphinx is the chamber where the the, the Russian lady wants to know, and she gets her head <laughs> melted off. Um, so, obviously, the the first thought is, well, it would be pretty easy to prove that, because we know where the Sphinx is, and apparently it's underneath the Sphinx. Um, so, the thing which really grinds me about it is not only, you know, the conspiracy is one thing, you know, and I can, uh, you know, argue that uh, day in and day out, but the, the 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 really troubling part is the fact that they actually did some excavations to try and, um, you know, find this... Supposed chamber and so in doing this they sunk like a I think it was like an eight eight eight-inch diameter drill bit through the paw of the sphinx Into the ground to look for it and in doing that they caused irreversible structural damage to the megalith (laughs) itself um and because of that they've had to completely halt like any excavation around it because they had to like enact their own set of like rules and laws because of this really abrasive invasive um damaging form of archaeology so obviously you know it's one thing that pseudoscience can be a bit of a you know almost it it can be a poison to the the integrity of the idea of archaeology but when it becomes enough that it begins to actually damage archaeological sites it kind of it, it verges into a bit of a sacred space there. Um, mm. So I'd say that of all the things, it is the fact that there was irreversible damage done because of this conspiracy that really irks me about it. Yeah, it's. Yeah,
1: it, I didn't know about the Paul one. The one that I've seen yeah. the most about is the, uh, the the erosion around the the base of the Sphinx and how. Uh, oh, yeah. and how I was literally just watching a Graham <laughs> <laughs> Hancock video on it because I'm sitting there. I'm like, I need to make sure. I need to make sure that I like got my dates for everything right. Um. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm cross, glad I'm, I'm like cross, dates, I'm so cross-referencing I can... and everything. Dates are the only numbers I can understand. Um <laughs> no if, you, if you ask me to do math, it will not happen.
0: But sometimes but, there's <laughs> math involved with dates.
1: But I can well, I can pull dates out of my head like that. It's weird.
0: Um, that's wow.
1: Yeah, I, I guess
0: it's uh, maybe because it's just pure memorization. I think that's what it is. It's memorization. Yeah. It's not, yeah. But anyway, point
1: being, um, so the the erosion aspect, which I, not being an archaeologist, I actually thought. At first, when I saw that, I was like, wait, that's
0: interesting. That's an interesting point. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at you. Super De- chats. Destro threw in the super chats, the first super chat of the night for $2. He says, oh no, our Sphinx, it's broken.
2: And yeah, so that's. Oh no! I just. Comedy gold, everybody. Yeah. I, I Look, just you, you take over broken. the podcast. I'm done. <laughs> He's
1: too good. He's too uh. good. I love that, um,
2: but yeah. So that was
1: that was one that I saw that I was as not being an archaeologist, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's kind of
2: a good point. So please tell me tell me why it's not a good point. Um, so I, I presume you're you're talking about the the theory that the Sphinx is far older than people say it is because they say it has water erosion. Yes, on it. and water correct? has obviously not rained or been in Egypt in that.
1: You, you haven't had that much water in that portion of Egypt in the last 5,000 years. Therefore, the Sphinx must yeah. be older. That's the argument.
2: Okay, yeah. So that's a, a very—I've heard that one a good bit before. And honestly, like, from just a surface level of erosion, it makes a ton of sense. And that's, I guess, kind of the thing about it, is mm-hmm. if you just, like, look at erosion and you're familiar with just what general erosion looks like and you know water is kind of the one that causes it the most, you could look at that and be like, yeah, this is water erosion. Um, the, the biggest giveaway for me that it's not water erosion is the fact that the lines are uh, not horizontal. They are kind of like curved slightly, Mm -hmm. or not curved, but um, sloped, Mm -hmm. um, which indicate a a little bit more indicative of the Sphinx being buried in sand, uh, and it's windblown sand erosion. Mm -hmm. So as a slope occurs uh, from just uh, sand buildup, and then wind kind of pulls this particulate matter across it really fast, it sandblasts little channels into the side. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if it were water erosion, at least to the best of my understanding, the erosion would be far more linear Mm -hmm. uh, than slanted because water doesn't tend to really like going like this it's sort of a a this kind of deal yeah um there's also uh one of the other pieces that people have used to kind of bolster that is the area around the sphinx so the sphinx uh was built i believe around the same time that the the great pyramid was built and the stone that was used for the great pyramid was quarried pretty much like around the sphinx So we know that they were built roughly around the same time, due to inscriptions on the temple behind the Sphinx. Um, But the stone work around it, um, where you can see, like you know, where the stone blocks were quarried, have kind of these little lines that look very similar to water erosion. And those ones, I do believe, are because even though this is a desert, this area does receive about an inch of water every year, or an inch of rainfall every year, which is not very much. But when you realize that this land has been exposed for you know what four thousand years, it'll it'll add up over time. so it, it it can be a little bit difficult to differentiate between the the um, the water erosion and the sand erosion, but that that's definitely something that I think gets very muddled in this conspiracy.
1: Yeah, I mean, just off the very basic, I, my my area of what I would call expertise, I guess, uh, extends basically from um, you know the founding of Rome and the Greco uh, colonial period up through um, the, the later Middle Ages. I I, I tend to say that I get lost after um, the Laws and Wales Acts of 1536 and 1537. Wow,
2: you're, you're going to be perfect for the Ancient Rome video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is I'm like, ooh. As anyone who's been paying attention on TikTok is probably aware, I have been going in lately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you really have. But that's that's I was going for it. That's, uh, I mean, I, I'm having a great time. Um, and I don't, I don't have schoolwork to do, so I'm just like... <laughs> Sitting at my desk all day, like, all oh, right, right let's uh, <laughs> let's ruin someone's reputation. Um, but I think I I want to tie that into what's been going on with uh with mom millennial with our with our good friend Donna Donna Dickens oh, yeah, who Donna. is not on the graduation rolls for Western Kentucky University and does not have a BA in anthropology or archaeology or history as I like, confirmed with a staff member at wku
2: she in fact you're gonna have to tell you're gonna have to elaborate on this because a lot of people have been telling me that you did that research and i, I, have, did. To, I have to know it so i'll let you finish your thought but you yeah. got to get into that at some point yeah so
1: i uh, no, i but i did have it confirmed and it was uh also confirmed to me um in rather vague uh not breaking any privacy laws terms that she did not leave for financial reasons uh she left for not passing her classes reasons so not not only is this person lying about her bachelor's degree but she uh is also lying about why she doesn't have the bachelor's degree she lied and said she has um which is weird because like why would you say you have a ba in history what for as someone with a ba in medieval history why would you lie about that
2: that's not impressive
1: yeah, like, pick something I, cooler.
2: Come on. I mean, <laughs> have a master's in astrophysics. Fucking go for it. Send I got, it all the way to the bank. I got graded. I got, I got, I got yeah.
1: graded. I got an A in a course because I watched the movie Kingdom of Heaven. Are you serious? <laughs> all I had to do was prove I watched it, and I got like a a one hundred percent on a, a paper. I I'm not kidding um so and she had
2: to fake that
1: exactly i'm like come on and the thing is like it of all the majors to fake having history is probably the easiest one because all you have to do is go like on jstor and look up whatever mainstream historians are saying and just parrot it yeah instead she like (laughs) decided to not read anything if it, you went rogue. Yeah, it's... It, and, I mean, on top of that, like... Look, I, I'm all for some fun and games and some conspiracy theories and some general stuff. You know, like... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's some fun things to bandy around. Like, was Thomas Jefferson a member of the Illuminati? Uh, are the national parks really actually no. hiding the Wendigos? Yes. Um, <laughs> obviously. Obviously. There's... <laughs> I, but but all of these things do have like little inklings of truth in them. Like Teddy Roosevelt did did tell a story about uh, you know a, a Sasquatch encounter, not that he had, but that somebody told him about, and he seemed rather like amb- ambivalent towards it, bordering on supportive. Um, and you mm-hmm. know that's something that you can look up; it's there. So you know there's there's some, some yeah. evidence to that. And of course with with the conspira- with the national parks one, you know you've got the missing form one phenomenon, you've got all of this Native American folklore about what's lurking out in the woods. Um, You know, I, I look at it and I'm like, "There's enough to ask some questions." Um, if mm. you know, I'm not going to tell people don't go hiking in the national parks because you're going to get eaten by a Wendigo. I've never said that to anybody ever. <laughs> um, I routinely go hiking in a national park that's ten minutes from my apartment. Yes. You just um, say,
0: "Don't go whistling in the woods at night."
1: Exactly. I'm like, if you hear somebody, if you hear what sounds like a baby crying or a woman calling from help when you're alone in the woods. Call the park rangers. Yeah. Don't go looking yourself. <laughs> um, also, in, <laughs> in
0: terms of fun and games, by the way, yeah. I just want to let you know you've been bestowed a new name. Oh, good. Indiana Mattis. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> okay. I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take it.
2: Rolls rolls off the tongue. I don't mind right. it. I don't mind it.
1: Um, you know, as long as it's not Illinois. We're uh, <laughs> Ohio. Please. We named God, the dog. Never Ohio. Area. Never Ohio. <laughs> Ohio. mm, mm, can Don't even say that word to me, but yeah. So, but yeah, stuff like that. You know, there's letters from George Washington to, uh, other, other founding fathers, as well as some of his, um, Masonic counterparts saying that he's concerned that Thomas Jefferson's ties to the Illuminati are going to affect the Freemason lodges in America. Like little conspiracies like that here and there, you know, interesting and fun to explore. Uh, who boy is saying that the church made up the roman empire a hell of a conspiracy theory
0: yeah for for those watching who are not familiar and for me who has not seen all of the videos do you want to do and i don't know how much uh you know milo about this as well but like should we do a little recap of (laughs) who exactly this is what's going on why it's important and what we're going to do about it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Miley, you're, uh, you're the Captain America of this Avengers team, so. Um,
2: I, I appreciate that. I'll take I, that. I'm title. thinking of myself more as like Hawkeye. <laughs> I was going to say, what is, I guess that makes <laughs> that's me a good, That's even. a good one to be. Yeah. I, I want to be Hawkeye. Where's my
0: bow? It's in here somewhere. <laughs> I guess that makes that me Tony Stark the a little shout. tech and stuff. <laughs> I can start being a sarcastic yeah, asshole, you- too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you 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 already have like an AirPod in a glowing laptop, yeah. and you're drinking out of a mug. You're pretty much halfway there. Well, to yeah. be fair, this is
1: my glowing laptop. Um, <laughs> oh, I do a mind laptop. Just had it. to had to yeah, flex that right. a little bit. It's I I just don't you know I'm, I'm a gamer derogatory. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah. you mean that you mean the most oppressed? The most the oppressed. I, <laughs> most uh, oppressed group. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Celtic gamers really just you know, the most oppressed group in history. Uh, but yeah, um, I love you. Celt- wearing
2: that, that necklace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh- Everyone <laughs> will
1: know you're a Celt- Celtic gamer. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but tell, yeah, Celtic yeah, gamer in the gaming chair. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, tell us uh, yeah. tell us what the plan is. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll, okay, we'll, we'll, so. Real quick, before we get to the plan, yeah. I was going to say, before we get to the plan, we should probably say who it is. Yeah, that's. Happening. I'm t- I'm
1: t- I'm, oh, oh, the plan yeah, has to do, do with everything. That. Okay, got it. Yeah, no, I, it's- I'll, I'll
2: give the, I'll give the lowdown. Okay, cool. Yeah, give us the story. For those of you who don't know or already know and just feel like uh, hearing more of the exact same thing I've already said, um, <laughs> there is a woman on, uh, on, on TikTok who is a proponent of a conspiracy that, as far as I can tell, she made up um, and has not originated anywhere other there, than her. There is, uh, which a, is the
1: there is an original version of this. I don't think it's quite as insane really? as hers. It's from uh, Anthony. i will look it up while you talk.
2: Okay, okay, sounds good. Um, okay, so apparently she didn't come up with it, she just took it and ran with it, which I guess makes a little bit more sense. Um, but anyway, she's a woman who has a conspiracy that ancient Rome didn't exist. Now, she uses that term pretty pretty boldly, and I think that a lot of people—at least when I first saw it, I interpreted it as, like, if you go to Rome, the Colosseum won't be there. But she's not, like, talking about that. She's more, like, saying that, like, Rome as an idea didn't exist. Like, in the sense that there was no Latin language, all of the instances of the Latin language were forged by the church in the, like, 1500s as a way to, like, centralize power. Um, she believes that pretty much every Roman settlement we found was, like, either Greek or a part of some other civilization, um... And every inscription we found there is in, you know, um, whatever their their native tongue is and not in Latin. And I don't think that there is a single person who will argue with you that the Roman Empire at its height was a homogeneous empire. I don't think a single person will argue that. So in that sense, she's right. It was not homogeneous. But the fact that she claims that it, like, barely existed in its, I don't know, in its largest extent, and that it didn't have the sphere of influence that it did, is pretty terrible. Now what makes it entirely worse is the fact that she has no degree um, and she is incredibly abrasive. Um, I have had so many people come to me being like her account got taken down and I'll cool. go and check it and it wasn't. It's just because she goes through the comments of mine and Aiden's videos and will block every single person who comments on our videos because they are in support of yeah. us. Yeah.
1: I, I do want to make of it clear course. really quick by the way. Um, just uh... it, it's, not, it's not that she doesn't have a degree that bothers me because obviously you don't need a degree to talk about oh, history yeah. to find it interesting. And for a lot of people, a degree isn't an option. You know, you, you don't have the money. You don't have the time. Something like that. Uh, it's, it's the fact that she, A, lies about having a degree. And then B, is so aggressively rude towards people, even when they're not being rude back. Like when they'll just say something like, hey, can you explain this, uh, you know, and then to to go to the professor that you pointed out in your first video about it, mm. um, and to be like, "That's Greek. Are you all blind when it's nearly yeah. Latin?" Um, like a, mm-hmm. that is our alphabet. Like you're you're aware that that's our alphabet, yeah. right, ma'am? Um. <laughs> yeah, you do you do read
2: English, right? You, you did that, you know.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So continue. Yes
2: she she so, so that, that's a that's an excellent distinction to make aiden is that the um you know it's it's the fact she says she has a degree but doesn't you do not need a degree in order to have passion and interest and your own theories and beliefs about something but it's the fact that she says she does to get like Clout and credit yeah. when she doesn't. Um, the thing which really prompted, for those of you who saw my initial video where I really, really laid into her, um, the thing that really prompted that was the fact that she um, was speaking to someone who is a PhD in classics in the way she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a firm believer that you just having a degree does not necessarily make you, you know, some fucking genius. There are PhDs who are absolutely yep. full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what they did <laughs> you guys have something going on over there um but want... as a, a current <laughs> what did you did you guys go with like some terrible professor or something no there's
1: there's a guy on uh, there's there's this guy who's, oh boy uh he's got his phd in i think theology um but and he got it from i think exeter uh but he's a mormon and um and he talks and i don't have a problem with being a Mormon and talking about Mormonism or being a theologian and talking about theology. But uh, he has a tendency to say just wildly incorrect or at the very least like non-mainstream things about the Bible as if they're fact. Uh, And and it's that part is the as if they're fact that really bugs me um because yeah, yeah. people will ask questions they'll be like is it true that in the bible uh the israel the israelite forces are driven off by another deity and he's like well thank you for the question that is true in fact in second kings mm, mm, mm. and then he just like it is so the exact passage says that uh the the king of moab so god promises the israelites that if they uh attack moab then god is going to deliver them victory and one important context Piece about the book of Kings, the first and second book of Kings, is that um, it's essentially the story of the Israelites just not trusting God over and over again and not listening to God and repeatedly screwing mm. up because of it. So that's the context of the book of Kings, is it's setting this up. It's setting you up for like the book of Judges um, and for the this this period where the the Jews are undergoing a lot of different reforms and their government system and everything, um, it's, it's a fascinating read. Honestly, uh, whether you're Christian or not, it's a very interesting like piece of kind of like theological history. But he says that uh, this one passage where it says that the the king of Moab sacrificed his son um, on the walls to his deity. So the the uh, Canaanite god uh, Chemosh. And he says that um you know the the king sacrificed his son and there was a divine fury from Moab and the Israelites uh, left and this is all that it says it doesn't say much it, like the, there's no the Israelites were struck with fear and it, it's not yes yeah. so what they my, just got out <laughs> contextually for me the reading of that is um you know there was the the king undertook this like supreme sacrifice of his son and heir and the you know, the clattering of the shields and the shaking of the spears and everything, and the, you know, m- the Moabites being so spurred to, uh, you know, this violent fervor by, by this action, being like, all right, well, if he can sacrifice his son, I can give my life. Like, I'm, I would rather mm-hmm. die than live under Israelite rule. Um, that's what I read it as. And he takes it, and with absolutely zero um, supporting evidence says that uh, well, actually, this this great fury—that's the that's the the wording that's used. He says, well, actually, that's the that's divine fury, and it's it's interesting because if you don't speak Hebrew, how are you going to argue with him? Because he he says he does. So oh, that's God. his translation. <laughs> that's his translation. Now, keep in mind, uh, if you're using the King James version, like like I do most of the time. Uh, and as, as we learned, the, uh, the Orthodox Church uses mm-hmm. the King James Version. Um, the American Orthodox Church does. Uh, so, that's that was translated by people who spoke Hebrew. But he's saying they were wrong, and he's right. Um, and that it was actually divine fury, that the god Kamash is, in this instance in the Bible, uh, confirmed to be a deity that the Israelites believed in. And, I mean, if Isaiah 45, uh, Deuteronomy, I think, 35, just all these different, like, um, bits and pieces in the Bible where it very explicitly says that God Yahweh, Jehovah, you know Alpha and Omega, whatever, he's the only God that the Israelites believe in, there are no other gods, mm-hmm. it's not that he's the chief God, and the Bible is very clear about this, and um, whether you believe it or not, it is very clear um, mm-hmm. and so he he sits there and kind of like smugly with this like, you know factual attitude says, yeah so uh, I'm right every other scholar is wrong and if you disagree with me it's because you don't have a phd and i do um and then he blocked me so uh (laughs) wow yeah so Ah, as any good academic
2: does long-winded
1: way of saying um phd doesn't make you uh einstein
2: (laughs) yes absolutely yeah, no, that's a that's a very very good point. It does not, and I think a lot of the t- not a lot of the time, but it has a tendency to also let it get to your head a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you know, it gets to the point where if you get your PhD, you're like, well, now I just know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you 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 want to try and walk the line between you know, um, being qualified and being an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but anyway, the the whole thing that really I guess got me about that is as like a current student in in archaeology, it was uh. You know it's it's shameful to see someone who not only is lying about their credentials in order to gain clout but is then putting someone down who actually earned those credentials mm-hmm. and earned a far higher level you, yeah. you need what like eight nine years of education to earn a phd yeah and like highly specialized and work actual,
1: like whether or not you do a uh, a master's program which you don't have to in a lot of fields but
2: yeah um, yeah and, and like that's specialized a work too yeah So, so, so seeing that is, I think, really what kind of riled up the the fire. So, so anyway, for for those of you who are, who are unaware, um, I've kind of put together a little bit of a task force of people, um, who are going to, uh, make a video that we can all kind of break down what she's saying. Um. One of the things that someone pointed out, which I thought was fascinating, and, and you actually touched on briefly, Aiden, was the the idea of the 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 insults of like, oh, like can, can you like see this? Are you blind? <laughs> you know, you need to go see an eye doctor, whatever. Which is petty childhood, yeah. you know, playground insults. It's it's embarrassing for an adult woman to be throwing those around in a scientific context. But beyond that, one of the people um, who I'm going to be having in these videos is a uh, a doctor from the. Um, Uh, university of san diego i believe and she was talking to me about her uh, research which specializes in the latin language um so obviously you know she's very knowledgeable on it and one of the things that she mentioned um which i thought was really interesting was she was like um it's really insulting to hear her say that because i have struggled very heavily with my vision since i was really young like Mm -hmm. it was enough to like hold her back like in school and like she really struggled with it Mm -hmm. so she was like this is like a huge hurdle i had to overcome in order to like reach the same level as everyone else. And she's here being like, if you have this impairment, you are not like qualified or able to see the same things I can and, you know, make the same deductive reasoning that I can. And so it's really interesting to see someone who claims to like, you know, be doing all this to be like, we're gonna throw off the shackles of like, you know, the yeah. old old ways of archaeology and we're gonna move into the progressive new age. And then she's, you know, saying shit that's for lack of better terms, horribly ableist. Um, yeah, and that's exactly on top of what I was that, gonna say is, yeah. yeah you know, it's exactly. for somebody
1: who, who is like trying so hard to represent herself as being this like progressive feminist like all these yeah. basically, like she she's a walking buzzword um you know <laughs> yeah and uh, but and then she goes and you know she says stuff that's ableist she says stuff that's anti-semitic she insults other women like I, I'm sitting there and I'm reading it and, you know somebody came after me and uh Stephen Bell for you know ganging up on her when she's a woman and we're white men and I was like I feel like it would be more sexist to not gang up on her just cause she's a woman. Uh, like, Absolutely, I'm, I'm approaching this as if you're a human. Um, so, like, but yeah, it, no, as you. But should. Yeah, it's you know why? Why would you? It's just hypocritical. Like don't don't present yourself as being this paragon of virtue and then put other people down, especially for immutable characteristics like their vision. <laughs> like you, you, can't. Yeah, exactly. You didn't choose to be part of sight. Like you don't, you don't mm-hmm. choose to be deaf. You don't choose to be short. You don't choose to be tall. Like it's just
0: yeah. Ugh. There are some people. It, it's who pretty gross. Actively disable themselves. Though. That is true. That's. <laughs> have you heard about
2: that? <laughs> the exception, I, I, I know not that. the rule. Oh god. There was... Yeah, with with some exceptions there. I, I feel like the the worst one, the worst one that I've come across, and I'm 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 trying to find a creator who I want to speak on this, just because I'm not really one to represent it. Um, but one of the things she said is she was like. Um, she was like, I've been getting, like, a lot of questions on my videos, like, oh, why would the church, like, do this to, like, you know, white people or mm-hmm. whatever, and then she was like, did you really think that them going over to, the like, the Americas and wiping out two continents of indigenous people with their first rodeo, and I was like, okay, so you are comparing <laughs> your conspiracy that the church invented Latin to the fact that there were, like, just the most atrocious fucking genocide of two continents... You're comparing those two things like those are equitable, and also the fact that she says that like oh they she they wiped out two continents, like they're still fucking they're here. still here like don't don't act like don't fucking undermine the culture and the horror that they experience by being like they're wiped out like oh that damn church, like they are still fucking here it's it's really really Wait, embarrassing to like which, like that I, I mean
1: all... as a as a student of history, I am. Enormously impressed with the staying power of the indigenous populations of the Americas and the fact that they have God bless now. fought fought through everything they've fought through because there are a lot of specific tribes and peoples that I could point to from European history who did not survive. Um, one of the one of the mm-hmm. best examples is actually um, I guess something she wouldn't believe actually happened, but the the uh, what Dan Carlin calls the Celtic Holocaust, uh, the the Roman mm-hmm. invasion of Gaul and the subsequent just complete destruction of gallic culture uh you know by by the time the roman empire was falling there wasn't a gallic revival when the roman empire left britain there was a distinct uh bretonic celtic revival they started worshipping their old gods they start, started speaking uh proto not proto uh uh what's the word um they basically started speaking you know ancient welsh uh and hmm. You know, they went back to their hill forts and left the cities and basically just took up exactly the culture they had had 400 years before the Romans left. Um, so I- imagine if um, every, everyone who came to the Americas from somewhere else, if they just left and the Native Americans went back to speaking their own languages and, uh, you know, living in their old style cities... Ah, uh, they're old-style towns. You know, if you went from like living in, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of natives today live in typical American houses. Uh, you know, very very much have assimilated into, um, kind of the very interesting melting pot that is American culture. But yeah uh, you know, imagine like going back to wigwams and teepees and longhouses. Now, that's that's what you're looking at. Yeah. With, with the Celt, with the Roman withdrawal from Britain, and that's what happened with the Breton Celtic peoples. Is mm-hmm. they. And Gildas talks about it a lot in uh, The Ruin of Britain. But, um, you know, that with Gaul, that didn't happen. Uh, and Gaul was only under Roman control about 150 years longer than, uh, than Britain was. So you, you look at something like that. Like, that was a, a group of people who never recovered. And the same kind of thing happened in Spain. Um, similar things happened in, in Greece. It took Greece a very long time. Uh, partially because it was under control of the Byzantines, but um, it took Greece a very long time to regain kind of its national identity. And with a lot of the Native American people in America today, it's they, they've managed to preserve their culture and their teachings and their religions and their languages. And it's it's truly an incredible thing to look at. And then for her to just go and say that the Catholic Church completely wiped out Native culture is... Oh yeah! First of it's all, horribly it's insulting, fascinatingly yeah. wrong, but also like mm-hmm. extremely insulting for a, a group of people who have you know, put up with so much and managed to persevere culturally. It's it's truly incredible. Just a heads up. And and it's and
2: very. very- It's, like, also dismissive of the fact that these people, not only are they, like, still here and, like, have a very rich culture and tradition which they've managed to persist despite the best attempts of the atrocities that were committed against them, but also the fact that they are still experiencing, like, you know, a a, a plethora of unique issues are part of the snowball effect mm-hmm. of those very atrocities that they experienced, you know, generations ago. Yeah. So by being like, oh, like, you know, they, they were, they were wiped out. It's like, they're still here. They're still, you know, exist as a culture and they are still really struggling. Like, don't just like wipe it under the rug. Like they, there's still like a huge need for change in this yep. country. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting, I guess, uh, dichotomy when she tries to be so progressive and exactly. then comes across just unbelievably problematic. Yeah. So it's, it's,
1: Horrible, but well, since we're on this topic of Native Americans, I think that's a great way to transition into uh that second topic we want to talk about, which is the Clovis culture. I forgot we had an itinerary, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't.
2: It does tend to happen, it does tend to happen. Show, tend to so happen. Don't, yeah, don't worry too much. So, we're
1: gonna, we're gonna, this is something that we can, I think, talk about pretty easily uh, and rather quickly. And I want to, ah. I do definitely want to hit um, the younger Dryas and Atlantis and Quebec Tepi and all that really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to it. it. We we might go a little bit past 830. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so um, I got nowhere to be. Yeah, so for those those who are not, um, you know, in in the know about uh, Clovis, uh, Clovis, New Mexico was a site where they discovered a bunch of spear tips and arrowheads that all had a very distinct shape. um, And this is they were able to date these uh, in many cases to about 13,000 years ago. Um, And this spurred a phenomenon a a way of thinking in the archaeological and historical community known as Clovis first and this has become the standard for when America was uh, populated by people crossing over the land bridge in the Bering Strait into the Americas and For a very long time. It's been kind of the that's the thing. That's that's when people came to America and it's become a bit problematic because there are people who challenge it and they are immediately dismissed. Um, I I see asking questions as a good thing personally. Um, But I know that it also does tend to be the cause of certain conspiracies. A lot of people say that uh, the original native Americans were white, like the Mormons do, um, which is not Jesus true. Mm. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) it, it's one of those things that like a pin in that one. Yeah. It's like, Important question to ask. Uh, immediately gets taken and just thrown into some really weird stuff. But uh, you know what's oh, yeah. so coming coming from the archaeological background. Uh, do, how do you feel about Clovis first um, as as a doctrine essentially?
2: So so. The idea of Clovis culture is really interesting to me because it's very unique as far as other cultures around the world because it's an entire kind of group that is being denoted just by one tool. We don't know a lot about the Clovis civilization. In fact, when you say Clovis culture, you aren't really talking about a... A culture in the same way of like you know ancient Greek culture or like you know uh, like Celtic culture Mm -hmm. it's kind of this idea of a culture of like a tradition um, that is found all across the New World so I I think it's widely believed that many of these groups did have their own very unique practices but this one tool is kind of the only thing that's really left behind and so there is obviously the whole idea of you know they kind of denote when um, humanity migrated into the new world, um, but that has been challenged very recently. I don't know. I, I made a video talking about. it I don't know if you've stumbled across this, but they actually made a discovery that pushes back the mm-hmm. arrival of uh, mankind in the new world by ten thousand uh, yeah, years. I, I actually did, Yet. and I
1: made a video about it when it came out. When you put your yes. video up, yeah. There we
2: go. Yeah. I don't. I don't That's think good. I stitched yeah. it
1: because yours was three minutes long, so I like had to do the yeah. You can't thing. Gym, But um, yeah. When you, when you put that video out. I'd say like that, And I actually opened it with saying that it was good that those feet were dateable um, because that would please a subset of my audience. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: which was the entire reason. That line. was the whole reason I made the video was to make that joke. Uh, but yeah, I was talking about it. I was you like, that's, some- that's fascinating. Like, cause, cause that really does, it begs the question, you know, especially given some of the climactic events that happened around 13,000 years ago, I, uh, you know, being able to date that even further back is very interesting. Um, yeah, what, cause, cause, oh yeah, because we, I don't think we've dated anything Clovis related that far back. Cause you can't, no, you the, can't the date oldest Clovis points. Way.
2: Yeah. So the oldest Clovis point found, I believe was from Texas and it was uh, dated to be around 9,000 years old, mm-hmm. I think um and again was part of the reason why when or part of the the uh you know evidence of when humanity arrived in the new world Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't actually dated as the stone itself it was dated from i believe a camp uh, like a fire pit or something that was found nearby um so it's always a little bit iffy dating stone tools anyway you kind Mm -hmm. of have to rely on context clues um but yeah it's fascinating the idea of those footprints you know not to not to build off that too much farther but you know the uh the the, the footprint discovery is not only, you know, fascinating because it pushes back the, the idea of how long humans have been in the New World for, for those of you who don't know, um, Previously, it was widely accepted that um, people migrated across, you know, the Bering Land Bridge um, in around around 13,000 to 11,000 years ago, um, but this uh, discovery was dated to be about 23,000 years old, and it was dated by finding uh, seeds that were carbon-datable that were pressed into the bottom of the footprint, so we you know they were deposited at the same time. And these footprints were found all the way in New Mexico, which is, like, the southern U.S., so it wasn't just, like, up by the, you know, Aleutian Islands, it was all the way in the bottom, so that's pretty interesting. But not only, as I think you kind of um, touched on, Aiden, about the, uh, you know, climatic uh, things that were going on then, was. Um... This also helps us kind of narrow down how mankind may have migrated into the New World um, because the uh, ice free corridor would not have been as open or passable uh, 23,000 years ago. So it lends a lot more credibility to the kelp highway theory that humanity kind of traveled along the coast using um, resource rich kelp beds as a uh, source of food, um, which supports something that I've, I've believed for a while, which is that there were obviously multiple waves of migration. I don't think it's reasonable to expect that there was just one big group came over, populated the world, and then no one else came across. So I do still think that the ice-free corridor was probably used around ten thousand years ago before you know the sea level rose too mm-hmm. much and the island for- chain formed. Um, but it's pretty interesting that those those seeds that were found have such a ripple effect in the idea of the colonization of the New World um, that you know it kind of changes the theory um, of of how we actually got here, which is pretty amazing.
0: So.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It's it, it, that was one of those things that like when when you came out with that, I, I felt vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause I've been arguing <laughs> I've been saying for a little while right. now. I've been saying for a little while now It's like I really just feel like thirteen thousand years can't be the, the longest uh time period based on a, a bunch of stuff yeah. that I've talked about. Um oh, yeah. but it was so when that came out I was like, oh finally like <laughs> <was laughs> right. Right. this this actually came out between that whole thing that happened with Archaea Wolf hmm. um and uh and recently uh Morris Keen um on, on TikTok and I don't know if he is on YouTube or not. Uh, I don't know if you know any of his content, but he, uh, he and I, I do, got do a bit like part of a uh, tiff.
2: The... Oh, yeah. you did? Well, you're yeah. going to have an interesting time because he's going to be sitting at our table with the archaeology. So, so or the, uh, personally, the thing. personally, I
1: I, I was caught off guard um, by by what he said to me because um, I followed him. Why? I, I, I followed him. I was like, so I was just a little... I think he was going through. I think he was going through it, and I uh, just kind of snapped on me. Um, young guy, easy target. Uh, saying some rather happens. rather out there stuff. I I have no hard feelings towards him. I would happily, you know, good. I would happily make up. Uh you know, but um, he's actually been tagged a lot in my recent videos. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah,
0: maybe but, yeah. Maybe I think no, no, you'll redeem it.
1: Yeah, I figured he might be involved in uh, in your, and also back yeah. then I wasn't making quite as much of the uh, the historical content. I was very focused on the like supernatural stuff. Ah, mm. um, uh, that would so do it. <laughs> so I think that you know not seeing any of the actual his, historical credentials that I have might have also um, caused a bit of a problem there. But yeah, I don't I don't Fair have any hard feelings. You know, it's water under the bridge. But uh, yeah so um, what were we talking about?
2: <laughs> Clovis culture, uh, uh, Clovis yes. in the world. So
1: I, I was th- that that came out between that little uh, tiff and now, and I was like, one in the wind column. <laughs> uh, finally, let's go. Let's go. But yeah. So I, uh, you know, I think this, you know, and obviously I made a video a few days ago where I talked about uh, the the Topper site and the Cerruti Mastodon site, um, and how those, obviously not uh, quite. Quite the level of finding a seed impressed into a footprint, but I, you know, push th- those. Respectively, I, you know, st- Topper pushes it back to fifty thousand, and Sarudi to one hundred and thirty thousand, which Sarudi is very, very, like thin because it's it. T- and, you know, it's basically a, a chip in a mastodon bone that looks like it was made
2: with a stone tool. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, that's so, one hundred and fifty thousand. Is that I would yeah. I would say that's a stretch. At least in yeah. just an opinion based thing. That seems pretty.
1: It's what? definitely it, it's definitely it's one of those things that I'm like that deserves a question. It deserves to be filed yeah. under interesting. Let's Absolutely. talk about it. Yeah, but it, it's not like the kind of thing where you can look at that and be like, oh yeah, that's humans were here 130. No, it's not. It's yeah. not set in stone. Uh, topper I think is more more intriguing um, because it's it's got some actual organic matter that's datable and um, that you know it's a little bit more. I, it's still stone tools that don't necessarily have to be homo sapiens sapiens stone tools um mm-hmm. they could be anything from erectus civilis nandertalus Denisovans. um so we don't know for sure but it's very interesting to have you know uh tool making hominids fifty thousand years ago um and oh yeah and you know it, with 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 that in mind i think it's a, a good segue into uh that that final topic which is the the cataclysmic event of the twelve thousand eight hundred year mark to the eleven thousand six hundred year mark uh, years ago, which is the younger Dries period, which is the one that I have seen the most uh, debate and the most argumentation over, because it is peer-reviewed research that this this happened. Um, the the exact team being uh, James Kennett, a PhD in marine geology, Alan West, PhD in geophysics at geophysics. Uh, Richard Firestone, PhD, in, uh, PhD in nuclear science, James Whitkey, PhD in geology, Albert Goodyear, PhD in archaeology. So and along with I think 24 other scientists who are all involved in this project, uh, dating the uh, the impact in Greenland that they believe led to the younger dryas. The younger dryas, of course, being this period of cooling. Around twelve thousand eight hundred years ago, mild cooling, relatively, which uh, lasts about twelve hundred years, and then culminates in a very rapid uh, warming period. And this happens to you know I'm, I'm just going to go through this really quick so that we can kind of yeah talk through it but yeah so uh prior to the Younger Dryas discovery we we kind of believed that there was no room in human history for an extinction level event um yeah you know, it was the Paleolithic, the Mesolithic, and the Neolithic, and then we had you know the ancient humanity ancient scenario all of that um Mm -hmm. and so this kind of threw a wrench in that and of course uh that's something that's brought up by and here's where we're going to get into some some names that people aren't going to like uh graham hancock brings this up a lot um let's go (laughs) in the approximately 27 hours of footage of him on joe rogan's show which oh Uh, jesus and of course when it's joe rogan of words just Gave me vertigo. Yeah. Joe Joe Rogan, you know, I think he is a fantastic podcast host because he will really sit there and talk about anything with anyone. That is fair. I yeah, I am very entertained by his program, um, and I've I've learned some interesting stuff from very credible people. I've also heard some very non credible people say some very convincing things, and then gone and looked it up and been like, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> wow, <know>. that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, and of yeah. course, the, the, the memes that came out of the Alex Jones appearance in 2018 were just like, oh, chef's kiss. Um, some truly incredible memes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Tim fair.
0: What? Did you see the recent Tim Pool show? I
1: didn't. I know I know he just did a show with Tim Pool. Uh, I, need yeah. to, I need to watch that one.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't watch all of it. I watched like five minutes of it, but that is a group all oh yeah. Oh, the one with it was Joe Rogan,
1: Alex Jones, Blair White, Tim Pool, Luke Radowski. Oh yeah. my God! That, Good God! I, yeah, and <laughs> they're they all in this RV. Is that? Is that they're in. They're in Luke's RV. Uh, I think Blair White's in there. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um. So it who just big, big group of people. But uh, yeah. yeah. So getting back into the the Air Dry's thing. So part part of the issue here was that uh, that Graham Hancock brings up that I think is interesting, and I think it's one of the more salient points is that I. Uh, you know the Younger Dryas event. These guys hit a lot of criticism from the archaeological community when they first put forward the theory, much like uh, Alvarez at all back when they put forward the uh, the um, KT event theory, and then of course the the KT, the, the Cretaceous-Tertiary event, um, which is the the extinction of the dinosaurs, 65 million, 66 million years ago. Yeah. Um,
2: Sixty-five, I
0: think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that initially was scorned. They they were you know, laughed out of conferences over it, and then, sure enough, um, I think it was in the 90s, we discovered the crater, uh, and they were they were vindicated, um, and so yep. the, the Younger Dryas team faced a very similar um, issue at first when they first put the theory forward, and this, this is peer-reviewed science, this is mainstream, what's not peer-reviewed science and what's not mainstream is the 11,600 date, and that's when the warming shows up, so... We have an idea that comet impact in Greenland caused kind of a nuclear winter cooling effect. Um, And then uh, 11,600 years later, it's uncertain. Some people have suggested, well, maybe it was a comet fragment that hit the water. Maybe it was uh, another impact somewhere else that for some reason caused a warming effect. That's not settled science. That's not something that's, you know, anyone's certain of. But what we do find that's interesting is where that segues into... Uh, you know, out of geology, out of climatology, and into um, archaeology and anthropology, which is 11,600 years ago, what, what happens? Well, we have uh, the story of Atlantis, the founding of Atlantis, which is, or not founding of Atlantis, the sinking of Atlantis, which is uh, Plato recounts in several of his works that one of his ancestors, the the great Solon of Athens, went to Egypt, spoke to the Egyptians, they told him about Atlantis, he said when did this happen, this was 600 BC, he said when did this happen, they said 9,000 years ago, 9,000 years ago and 600 BC is 9600 BC, which of course is 11,600 years ago, and Graham Hancock's point on this is, if Plato made it up, he was astoundingly spot on. Um, so maybe, so the argument there is like maybe there was some sort of like oral tradition passed down that recounted this time of this this cataclysmic event and then at the same time as you get the story about uh as you have the younger dryas uh ending and, and the climate heating up and atlantis supposedly sinking you get kebeli Tepe being built in turkey and you know when i look at all these things that my 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 more so what, what i like to do more than anything is i'm a fiction author <laughs> so my that that side of me is like oh come on
0: <laughs> like that's it's and cool. and I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote a
1: movie last year. I wrote a movie, a feature-length film. It's 130 pages of script. It is a full feature-length film. And somebody in Hollywood buy it. It's really good. It's like kind of a National Treasure, like, um, like Indiana Jones-style <laughs> thing, thing. Yeah, as, it's great.
0: As somebody who's currently in the works of getting a script sold, uh, I can confirm that from a screenwriting standpoint... It's a very good story. See, it's a very interesting story, and it's a part one of three. Yeah,
1: exactly. I've got plans for sequels, like you know. I would. I'll take it Call right now. How much you want? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'll take. Uh, I, I don't know. Like twenty-seven dollars would probably do it. Uh, <laughs> and at <least> <laughs> twenty-five. For, at least go for twenty-five. I got 25. <laughs> I can probably do that. Uh, <laughs> point is, point is, uh, just very interesting. You know, uh, confluence of events. Uh, so all these things that are happening at the same time how much is coincidence? How much is, uh, a lost chapter of history? And and I personally, I do lean in this specific case on the lost chapter of history side. Um, it possibly cause I'm more of a historian than I am an archeologist. Uh, so for me, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at kind of like the, the documents and the stories. And I, I know archeologists like to have, uh, you know, hard, like, um, you know, Analyzing analyzing actual artifacts is is the practice of archaeology. For for me as a historian, I'm like, let's get the documents and you know let's let's see Plato's business card. um You know, let's, uh, I I, I want
2: the receipts.
1: Yeah. So so <laughs> I look at it that way, and I think that you know at the very least it's worth asking the question. You know, are we missing something? But I uh, you know as far as for me, I look at you could Go back with Tappy and like. The fact that Gobekli Tepe is being built around the first time that we're seeing agriculture in uh, Europe and Asia. Oh, yeah. is is very fascinating because it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. And to yep. me, I look at it, and I I personally think Gobekli Tepe's first, and I think you know I, I obviously can't prove this. Um, I will not yep. pretend this is something calculated. I can prove. But what I'm looking at is I want to see the research into was Gobekli Tepe created by a group of people who survived this cataclysmic event and they built this and they brought agriculture and then eventually over time you know it they i i don't want to like make it into this might sound a little bit like eugenics but i promise it's not um <laughs> i am not That's an eugenicist. a right way to anything. <laughs> Is put that on the list yeah, the on the <laughs> <laughs> every every show we have to add in a new disclaimer um yeah. about like you know I am not a fed, I am not a eugenicist, like, um, but no, so I, you know, what if we had this group of people from a culture that was rather advanced, again, when I say advanced, I don't mean aliens, I mean, like, you know, Aztecs in 1500, is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, did we have a group of people who somehow survived this flooding event that would have, you know, we know that at the end of the Yerba Dryas, the sea levels rose 500 to 600 feet because of the glacial melt and the meltwater pulse 1b and that you know this would have if that happened today it would bury almost every single major city on earth um, under underwater. so if that happened then perhaps there were a group of people that survived and built this this you know complex Akabegli Tepe which uh, is Turkish for Potbelly Hill because it looks to be a very deliberately covered in round hill um, and that you know that that's kind of where where this this new agricultural thing started, and over time, you know, just like how the the Romans lost a lot of what made them Roman over the course of uh, the fall of the West to the fall of Byzantium, um, you know, maybe we witnessed a similar thing over the course of a thousand years from eleven thousand six hundred to about ten thousand six hundred. So, uh, you know, obviously very long winded, but I want to make sure everyone understands what I'm saying here. Uh, what, what do you, so I got to ask you know. You're, you're the Debunking Conspiracies guy. You are the guy. Um, so so <laughs> Tell me what you think, man.
2: Firstly, firstly, um, I, I gotta say, it's qu- quite something to hear that, that I am the guy for anything, that's, that's quite <laughs> impressive. So I, I appreciate the the unofficial title. Um, I suppose, so so I definitely do have some areas where I am more than willing to be like, I'm going to go full out, like, I'm gonna just speculate and maybe it's true, I have no reason to back it up, but it might be true. Um, So, uh, I guess, firstly, I should preface by saying that, you know, while while you have your kind of, you know, medieval Roman kind of era Mm -hmm. of history that you're really fascinated by, um, uh, kind of the reasons that you just stated are the reasons why I am personally really fascinated by uh, Neolithic and post-glacial history, because it is something that we just do not know about. And it's so fascinating to try and think, like, the people who lived then were exactly the same developmentally as... All of us right here mm. the only difference is the knowledge that we have as far as we know yep. um, and so like th- th- that is fascinating to think that people just like us were living back then um, mm. so I would say that in my opinion at least without a shadow of a doubt there was some sort of flood event that happened yes. I don't think that it was on the scale of you know the biblical stories of the whole world being covered I I, I don't even think that it was something uh, to the extent of I don't know like a major civilization being wiped out mm. like Atlantis but the 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 idea of a flood crops up so many times in so many stories that i think that you know i'm a firm believer in the fact that every legend comes from somewhere Mm -hmm. every you know every story of a Wendigo or a skinwalker comes from a bump (laughs) in the dark in the woods you know every 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 idea of you know where how are the pyramids built come from the you know like how do they move these stones and you just can can run from there so i'm i'm a firm believer that the there had to be some sort of event like that um I mean, it goes all the way back to my one of. I mean, I guess the the archaeological text of the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, contains a, a flood story, which is the first, not only the first story, but the first flood story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that there could be something, if you want to get a little bit um, ethereal with it, the idea that there is something kind of poetic in the idea that all of these civilizations were around water. Water was something that is it's is—it's—it's our life force. It's what all of the agrarian life. societies yeah. needed water. Exactly. And so I think that there is something to be said for not only may, there being a flood in the past, but the idea of the very thing which gives you life being the thing which can snuff it out. Exactly. So I think that that may have been a little bit of kind of a metaphor as well. Um, but yeah, I do fully believe that um as for the chicken and egg um scenario that you were talking about is uh that that's kind of an interesting one that i was thinking about because the i know there's been a lot of speculation um that that site was built um and the agrarian society remains that they found around it were made in order to sustain the workers that were needed to build Mm -hmm. it which I think is very interesting because if, you know, the the hill construction needed that many people, you yeah. would need to feed them and house them and all that. Um, so but for me, looking at that, that's
1: one of those things where, like, you'd you have to have a rather developed agrarian society at that point, wouldn't you?
2: Oh, I, I would, I would absolutely say so. Um, to be able to have that many people, that like centralized, that they would go through the effort of building. What I mean, it's the first megalithic structure. It's an unbelievable construction, mm-hmm. and it was made in. I believe it was nine thousand. Is it nine thousand BC? Nine thousand BC? Something uh, like that. Yes, yeah, um, I don't know if it was nine thousand years yeah. ago. It's, yeah, it's so eleven thousand five hundred. Eleven thousand
1: six hundred years ago.
2: Okay. So then, nine thousand BC, I guess yeah. it, it would be correct. So yeah, so it's like an unbelievably old structure. And the other thing, which is pretty interesting about it, is um, you know, if we're if we're looking at it from like an artistic standpoint, is the depictions yes. on the stones. So, yeah, so I'm sure that, you know, this this could definitely be a cause for a lot of conspiracy as well. Mm-hmm. So in, in a lot of Neolithic artwork, you see uh, lots of depictions of animals, which we interpret as being animals that would be hunted. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of predators. There's a lot of, you know, like uh, different types of horses and, you know, like uh, deer and things like that. Occident and it's theorized sounds. that it was used to... Absolutely, yeah. So you see a lot of that, especially in, like, Lascaux Cave in France and all that. Um, But the interesting thing about the uh, Gobekli Tepe site is that it has the uh, carvings and uh, depictions of, like— giant snakes and spiders and, like, monsters and lions and all this, like, crazy shit, which is, like, amazing. It's absolutely fascinating to see uh, because you don't really see depictions like that up until that point. So it leads to the idea that these people, not only are they going through the effort of creating a sacred ceremonial site, theoretically, but there is now this development of artistic expression for the purpose of artistic expression, not for the sole purpose of survival. Like, these people needed... They didn't have to worry about you know, putting food on the table so much that they you know had to put all their time into it because mm-hmm. they had crops. they had free time. They could be yeah. like, "Well, we have all of our food right here. We don't have to migrate with the herds, so they could put all this effort into using this bad <laughs> boy uh, and you know making making all this stuff. so it's a it's a fascinating site. It's really, really interesting,
1: yeah um but, and and that one thing that really strikes me about that site specifically is is the way you've get. You've got depictions of, like, every kind of animal, and also some animals, if I remember correctly, uh, that aren't necessarily native to the region, um, which which is one of the question marks. Uh, you know, it, mm. it could be that they, at that time, that you had those animals there. Uh, but, um, and that's, you know, obviously that's up for your interpretation. These are not, you know, you're not looking at, like, photorealistic paintings. Um, you're, you're looking yeah. at, you know, not crude carvings, but... There are still carvings, um, yeah. There's there's Ooh. still ancient depictions, uh, but in a lot of the stories from that region, uh, especially in uh, Judeo-Christian, um, you know, uh, the the origin story, you know, Genesis, um, as well as the Zoroastrian tradition, you have that same bit about uh, the animals two by two, um, two, two of each oh. animal. So that that's in both Christianity, Judaism, Ooh. Judeo-Christian. Uh, theology as well as zoroastrian which is from persia so that's another interesting hmm. thing that you've got these depictions of all these animals and then you've got two major religions in the area that both have this story of uh you know preserving the animals and how much yeah, is al- that's how, interesting how much is allegory how much is you know literal but it's it's one of those things that you look at and you're like hmm it, it things that make you go hmm
2: Um. (laughs) yeah no that's 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 absolutely a very hmm and you know if i if i wanted to give that sort of the idea of the the water as a metaphor kind of treatment with that Mm. it's the idea of you know if we're going off of traditional biological views is you know in order to reproduce there is a male and female Mm. and that is what's needed to like carry on the uh the, the the species so you could go off of that in the sense that it's like you know in order to, you know, let's say they're going off the Great Flood story, which everyone seems to like, and then it's like, well, what do you need in order to repopulate life? Because at the end of your story, you want a happy ending. Yeah. It's like, well, there was there was two of each, you know, obviously ignoring the horrible genetics that would occur from yeah. it, uh, you know, is that. Um, but, but I do think that, you know, if we're then going to lend credibility to the idea of a flood, there could be something to be said for that. Um, even if it was on a smaller scale than the whole world being destroyed, you know, maybe it, like, it could be anything as mundane as this guy who lost his be... whole... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, could be, it could be anything. So yeah. you know, I, I think that every, every legend, every story, every fable comes from somewhere based in reality. Yeah. So. So
1: just b- before we go to super chats, um, which we're we're about to do, but since you just said every legend, every fable has some basis in reality, I think what what the people got want me. <laughs> to hear, what the people want to hear is the, the flesh pedestrians. Um, oh, okay. you know, <laughs> where How real is this thing that we're talking about? And um, I, I look so, at Native Americans take this extraordinarily seriously um, d- to the extent where I, I have gotten some hate uh, from, <laughs> from some indigenous folks. I've also gotten some very supportive feedback. Uh, I, I'd say it's probably 90% supportive. Because um, I do, I do reach out to you know uh, Navajo and Algonquin and Ojibwe, and I, I try to get like the as much of the original story as I can, so that I can then compare it and contrast it with you know what what the pop culture version is. Um, I had a yeah. very negative opinion of the movie Antlers for exactly that reason, <laughs> um, because they were like, we're going to make a movie that's very you know pro Native, but we're going to ignore all of their folklore
2: yeah i think um, i saw your video about that yeah.
1: <laughs> you had a lot to say <laughs> so um uh, but uh yeah so
2: for me i look at it
1: i i do genuinely i talk about a lot of stuff that i don't believe in mm-hmm. um and i try to s- create the suspension of disbelief by not saying specifically what i believe in and what i don't and you know it's i'm not course, quite yeah. i'm not quite playing a character but i'm like you know trying to create an atmosphere i guess is the best way to, yeah, play you want it. to keep it interesting yeah exactly, exactly. um but with with the idea of like uh you know the the uncanny valley and things like uh the legend of the Wendigo, the legend of the Skinwalker um you know these these various Native American um folk legends while they're obviously not exactly the same they have a lot of similarities in certain contexts so i think this comes from somewhere and whether that is from um you know the obviously the the really uh you know out there view to look at is, you know, well, we have the uncanny valley effect and all these stories of these, uh, you know, superhuman apex predators because back in the darker days of humanity when we were, you know, just starting to get on our feet as as a civilized species, um, there was something that hunted us, something that looked kind of like us but was stronger and faster, um, all the way down through, you know, stuff that's as mundane as, you know, maybe there were cannibal cults that were roaming around, yeah. and this caused that story. So, for me, I and I find also the, the, um, the aspect where in a lot of stories of uh, European and Near East um, you know, mythologies, you have these superhuman creatures that eat human beings. Um, you know, for example, like the Jotnar in Norse mythology... Uh, mm-hmm. And then in the Judeo-Christian tradition, you have the the Nephilim, and this does differ between Judaism and Christianity a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, you know whether or not you acknowledge the Book of Enoch as canonical, deuterocanonical, Deuteron- Deuteron- or completely apocryphal. Um, which uh, I think deuterocanonical is probably the best description of the Book of Enoch, but um, the Church disagrees with me. Uh, at least the first Book of Enoch. Um, but so, and the Book of Enoch talks about uh, the Watchers and the Nephilim and the, the angels who were tasked with uh, guiding humanity and watching humanity, um, essentially becoming jealous and coming down and creating their own breed of civilization, acting as overlords, and then having the, the offspring of the, the Watchers and the humans, and these were the Nephilim and these, you know, were these giants and these superhuman um, beings and these, you know, these great men as they're described. And uh, great being more of a descriptor of stature than um, you know quality, so to speak. Uh, so and you know he's a great I, guy. Yeah, and then and then you have the the flood directly after this concept is introduced. Oh yeah. Uh, so and, and it's basically the way I read Genesis is you know the the watchers come down, they have kids with humans. These kids are extraordinarily problematic um and god is like that wasn't supposed to happen flood uh and then and then i look at it i'm like well what if some of them survived and what if some of them survived and made it over to the americas and what if you know these these half-breed humans that are you know superhuman what if they over the years and over the ages of being isolated became these um less than human monsters with the, this more than human capability. Uh and that's where we get things like the the idea of the Wendigo and the Jotnar and certain demigods and whatnot. So I, I obviously I can't prove anything that I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's a very interesting uh you know interesting way to look at something that we don't have evidence of in a a mm-hmm. fossil record. But there is a pretty long um literary and oral and folk t- folkloristic tradition um so w- w- like i i'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that that phenomenon yeah you know, where all this comes from obviously what's going on you know pop culturally
2: is uh a complete bastardization but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so so that, i mean that's a great question and i think you 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 raise a good point again in talking about the idea that this um you know piece piece of folklore this piece of mythos has occurred independently so many times over so many different cultures and civilizations Mm -hmm. all around the world i mean the the idea of if we're just going to focus on the idea of like Superhuman something that like like cannibalism. Cannibalism is something that I feel like is a very common trend when it comes Mm. to these stories. Um, you know, indicative of the superhuman that looks sort of human will come with the whole, oh, they they eat people kind of deal. Yeah. And you can find that everywhere from indigenous mythology. Um I know you know the obvious one that comes to mind is the Giants of Lovelock Cave. Um, and, you know, of course, even in, in pop culture, you know, there's story, Well, like Hansel and Gretel were like mm-hmm. going to be eaten by the witch or, you know, even in, in like modern things where there's um, uh, what was that movie uh, Green Inferno and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That whole idea of, of cannibalism is something which really strikes a chord with us. Mm-hmm. And I would hazard a guess that some of that is just because. It's the idea of kind of like, you know, we, we, we are somehow above that. Like we are not livestock. Yeah, it's, it's we are, just we're so special wrong people. And yeah, it's so wrong. Yeah, exactly. That, that is like the ultimate thing. Like it, it is, I mean, even there is the idea of it's so wrong that uh, I, I believe it's the, is the skinwalkers mm-hmm. uh, a person who has eaten human flesh and becomes, you know, yes. an, like so they lose their soul.
1: No, and and that's, that is something that's, with, when, that's actually yeah. a Wendigo.
2: Yeah. Um, that's a Wendigo. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. Thank you. Like, I got yeah, the just, here. Just a really quick,
1: uh, <laughs> That's, yeah. that's one of the, um, but yeah, the, the big difference that's noted in, in the pop cultural stuff, but that is rooted in the native folklore itself, is that uh, skinwalkers are doing it deliberately. Um, they have chosen to uh, consume, um, and this, by the way, I found out recently from a, another Navajo person, um, another individual who's part of the Navajo tribe, uh, that the cannibalism aspect is not universal uh, with skinwalkers mm. in Navajo uh, culture. Um, I don't know how not universal it is. I don't have, like, proportions here for who believes what and what numbers. But they said that the cannibalism thing was news to them, and they're from from the Navajo tribe. Uh, wow. Yeah, which I, I was caught off guard. I was like, oh. And, of course, I my reaction was to... Um, throw that disclaimer into anything when I talk about this, you know, this is not universal. The, it sounds because, like we made
0: an, up, an update video.
1: Yeah, we might need an update video, because of course I, I learned this <laughs> immediately after our Skinwalker YouTube video, so, um, <laughs> it, but it yeah. The way yeah, yeah so the, the Skinwalker aspect is, uh, in terms of the cannibalism, when it does occur, is that they have to consume a close friend or family member, and they are doing it for the purpose of gaining these supernatural powers. With the Wendigo situation, Ah. um, and this is also centered primarily around winter, it's from the northern regions, Um, you know, they they tend to appear in the winter and not in the the summer. Um, But it is a person, there's a couple of different versions of this, uh, depending on where you go, which tribe, Uh, but it spans the entire, like, Appalachians and then west of there. Uh, And the idea is if you become desperate, and out of desperation you resort to cannibalism, then you lose The Donner Party. (laughs) Donner Party gets brought up a lot with that. um, Oh, yeah. For good reason. But, yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, out of desperation, you become a cannibal. You become a Wendigo. There's also the version of the Wendigo story where it's actually a a demonic presence that will infest a person, Mm. possess a person, um, make them crave human flesh. Those are the two biggest versions of it. And each tribe has their varying, like, you know, bit to bit. And in some cases, you know, some tribes report that they grow in proportion to their last meal um and some so you could have like 30 foot tall wendigo um in some versions they uh the only way to kill them is to uh you know burn them in some versions you have to rip out their heart and burn their heart in some cases their heart is actually uh made out of ice and you have to melt it like there's these various different versions Mm. of it but they all have kind of like those similar like base traits Um, but yeah so that's the main difference between skinwalker and wendigo
2: I see. Okay, that that's very helpful. I appreciate that. And then one one last piece of terminology. When you say flesh pedestrian, is that a separate thing or is that just an all-encompassing term for these two entities?
1: So when I first started talking about this, a lot of people uh, jumped on me and they were like, you're not supposed to say the words. And I was like, oh, shoot, right, yeah, you're not supposed word, to say or the or words. Yeah. So I started saying flesh pedestrian instead because I was like, all right, this is a good way to not say the words and to kind of reference a general phenomenon. Um, okay. And then as I did more research, I found that I... Uh, From a folklore standpoint, that whole, uh, you know, speak of the devil when he shall appear kind of thing um, is not universal. And also, I have said the word Wendigo a lot of times. (laughs) Like, a lot of times. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I believe Um, it.
1: So from just, like, an empirical, like, data-driven approach to it... Either I'm, like I said in one of my videos, either uh, either saying it doesn't summon them, or my apartment has really good security systems. Or you are the Wendigo. <laughs> I am not the Wendigo. Joe Biden yeah, I'm is. Sure, I'm sure you get that <laughs> a lot, yeah. So, Manin, he's yeah. There's a, just, so, so nobody thinks that this is a political program. There was uh, an article in a, a satire website where um, it's uh, Joe Biden unprompted says, I am not, or Joe Biden is not the Wendigo. Um, and I just thought it was really funny because we encountered this article when we first started doing these videos. Yeah. Um, so I <laughs> was like, oh, that's be perfect. Um, that is beautiful. I, I do not think Joe Biden is a Wendigo.
0: Um, Kamala Harris might <laughs> be. I do
1: find
0: it entertaining that the headline of the article wasn't, he doesn't say he's not a Wendigo, he says he's not the Wendigo. And
1: it's in the third person. Joe yeah. Biden unprompted, Joe Biden is not the Wendigo. Uh, yeah.
2: It's just like... <laughs> Yeah, he said it without opening his mouth yeah, in like exactly. a very deep guttural <laughs> voice. Yeah. I, the window. <laughs> I I
1: love I love the like absurdist humor of satire websites so much. Oh, all yeah. like, oh, like the onion and click hole and all that. Yeah, yeah so good. Also just so good up
0: it is eight twenty five. Yeah, so we should definitely
1: transition to super chats. Right? Yes. Milo yeah, are you probably. okay with that?
2: I'm wonderful with all that. Right, let's make it happen. Let's do it.
1: Alright, people, floodgates are open. Ask away. Your, your questions, they can be for us, they can be for Milo, they can be for Aiden for some reason. Um,
2: <laughs> I saw someone, I, I checked the chat briefly a while back and I saw someone asking Aiden how he sold his script. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I haven't, I haven't done it yet. Uh, I'm working in the on process. Uh, I'm currently in the middle of a final revision before I speak with my contact about it again and hopefully find myself an agent or get you know connected with one. So we'll see how it goes. If it actually ends up going through, I'll let y'all know. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes. Uh, and thank you for that reminder, about the way, um, So the first Super Chat we have is from Pyre Z for $5. Thank you very much. Where did that come from? Uh, it was a, it was a while back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: They were getting ahead of the game. Oh, yeah. it's important.
0: Yeah, it's, this is my whole job. This is the entire reason I'm here. So it I'm is very the entire excited season. to do it.
2: Um, You're doing
0: great. Thank you. Uh, so he <laughs> said, I heard a few years ago that there were Viking remains found in Oklahoma. The, I think the Kensington stone is the, the Kensington rune stone, um,
1: which was uh, proven to be a hoax. I'm pretty sure it was because it was, like, the wrong form of Futhark. It was, like, it should have been younger Futhark and it was an elder Futhark, or it might have been the other way around. Mm-hmm. Futhark being the, the, the rune system used by the Vikings, the Viking alphabet, essentially, the Scandinavian alphabet. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't heard about the Oklahoma one. Um, I'll have to look into that. But yeah, likewise. I've never heard of that. i I got to say... I. Uh, if if the Icelanders couldn't cut it in uh, Lanzo Meadows up in Newfoundland, I find it very unlikely that they managed to make it all the way to Oklahoma. Um, you know, the one of the primary things that made the, the Scandinavians, that made the, the Norse, the Vikings, such good settlers and such good traders was that they had this fantastic system of colonies um, across... Norway into Britain and Ireland and whatnot. So, uh, when, when they would get, and, and this was a big problem with the, uh, the invasion of England in, um, in the eight sixties was they only had as many people as they came with. So if you lost men, you, you weren't uh, getting back. Whereas the English could raise more men, you know, they, they, they could go to, you know, reserves and whatnot. The Vikings couldn't do that. So, um, that's that's kind of the issue I have with that. It would be really hard for a people that based so much of their strategy for raiding and trading and whatnot on the, the ocean. It would be very hard for them to make it to Oklahoma without us having other settlements along the way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that I, I haven't heard of this um this particular find either. I'd be curious to look into it after. Um but I just I, I kind of agree, Aiden. I think it would be kind of difficult. For that, I feel like we would have more evidence. I also yeah. think there would be some sort of residual oral evidence because if a if a group of people who are vastly different than the people who live on this continent made it all the way into the center of the continent, like to the point where they made like a burial out there, presumably, I think that there would have been more history of them, whether yeah. it be you know through through through, through told stories and whatnot, because there there is there there is evidence of you know like the the lasting effects of interaction in the you know um, northeast from you know, when, when they tried to settle um, up there in the Lanceo Meadows and whatnot. Um, you don't see anything, at least that I know of, um, you don't see anything like that in the Midwest. I, I think it's unlikely, but I'd be curious to look into it.
0: Wonderful. Next up is from Jason Barlow for $5. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, it's kind of a double question. Uh, he asks, can you look into the Sidi of Lovelock Cave and also... Are Florida men natural predators of skinwalkers? That might explain why they're not reported here. (laughs) Believe it or not, that is not the first sign that's been said to me. Not the first sign that's been said to me. I space, S-I space, T-E space, C A H of, uh, of Lovelock
2: Cave Am I the only one who's missing what uh C Tech is? I have absolutely no idea yeah, what
0: you're no, talking about. I don't about. think anybody here knows.
2: But
1: that. I am oh, writing okay. it down. Um He so said can
2: you look into it? So he's not expecting us to know yeah, all so Well I, I could tell you a little bit about Lovelock Cave. I don't know I'm 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 yeah,
1: yeah, go ahead
2: and Google what that means. Okay. Um, but if you know Lovelock Cave Oh, a good yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, the Cite Ka are a legendary tribe whose mom okay, so they are the giants of Lovelock um... Cave. That is the name of the giants. Okay, that is good to know. So, um the Lovelock Cave um like whole thing for, for those who are uh not up to date on it or up to speed on it, is a uh a, a little bit of a indigenous mythos that there is a group of uh like a tribe of red headed giants. That lived in this cave um, in, I think it was Lovelock, New Mexico, or what oh, is now New Oh, I have heard of this. Yeah, and they were like a cannibalistic tribe mm-hmm. that would, you know, come down and like kidnap people and eat them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so interesting, um, they actually have found human remains in the cave, mm-hmm. um, but they were not giants. I think that they, I think they did find people who were like six feet tall, so like they were tall, tall but they the weren't time. like you know. Yeah, tall for the time, tall for the area, but they weren't, like, the giants that they were made up to be. Um, yeah, that's, that's I much like, a... the, the,
1: like Goliath
2: um, in the Bible. Like, exactly. So
1: it suggested that he, he was, you know, if, if this is a real story, that he was probably only, like, six feet, six feet, two inches. But yeah. everyone else would have been, like, five five. So, hmm. um, yeah. that, that appears to, when everyone around you is five and a half feet tall, LeBron James is a giant. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's fucking yeah.
2: enormous. <laughs> <laughs> You're really big. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so I, I and again that that also kind of, you know, not to not to go back to where we were, but that touches on the idea that I think a lot of stories do come from some level of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, if, if everyone around you is five feet tall. I'm I'm a firm believer that the story of David and Goliath is based off of something, mm-hmm. you know, like what what that actual real life event was, I don't know. Um, but you know, it was it probably was, like you just said, a guy a guy who's six five in, you know, the like yeah. three thousand years ago in the Inter- Middle East, yeah, you're going to be pretty tall. Interesting
1: thing about Goliath. Um, so it's it's said that he's a giant. Um, it's the word Nephilim is not used for for Goliath. The word Nephilim is used in I think exactly three times in the Bible, twice in Genesis and one in First uh, Kings. I think First hmm. um, it is never used to reference Goliath. So I, uh, you know. We, that that infers then that Nephilim does not mean giants and that it was mistranslated as giants Ooh. Um, but also that that's Goliath that Goliath is not supposed to be of the same class. um so mm. just a, a little interesting interesting thing there about uh, you know translation in the Bible
2: uh, that's that's very interesting actually because I've gotten a lot of you know I've done my fair share of giant videos, yeah, um and whenever I I'm make those, them. I always get uh, comments about you know Goliath and Nephilim and biblical interpretations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's interesting to hear that distinction. Yeah. And the fact that Nephilim is only used three times. That's news to me. I, from, used, from what I heard, it made it sound like it was no, used very frequently.
1: It's used three times wow. in the in the canonical Bible and then uh, so many times in Enoch. Um, I've got... <laughs> Hang on. Start counting. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to go a little, go right a little past 8.30. Yeah. little uh, Enoch. <laughs> This is by the way this is this is very pretty this is my uh Masonic Bible it's just a KJV. Oh my goodness. For those of you who might be wondering um is Freemasonry a religion? Uh, no, this is a this is a Christian Bible. Um we're not all Christian either. Uh we have Jewish and Muslim and Hindu Freemasons. But yeah, I just I, since I had it in my hand I wanted to talk about it really quick. It's so pretty though. Like it's it is lovely. It's very shiny. Oh, yeah. It's it, it really is. Um, I just want to really quickly. Nothing. It's got some nice artist art artist. in it. Like that's that's Jesus. Wow. Um, yeah, it's I Jesus. Say, like, uh, I just want to find. There's one exact beard. Go go. Continue talking. I'm gonna look for
2: the picture. Uh. <laughs> well. Go ahead. I, I guess my my, my question. I, I have a quick question. Is how often do people um accuse you of being in a cult as as somebody who's involved with the Masons?
1: Um. All the time. At least. At, every time i make a video about it um and other than that probably once a week
2: okay valid that makes sense the, probably the best the, be, the, the reason i ask is, is the best co- comment i've ever received a, a, that i can remember is someone wholeheartedly to the best of my understanding genuinely oh wow is that is that george washington
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love when your bible has good our, old our lord and
1: savior yeah. That's amazing. There's an oh all-seeing eye over the U.S. Capitol in this image. It's fantastic. Oh my um, god! And yeah, I am, so sorry, I I am allowed one... to show you
2: that? <laughs> okay, <Be clear. laughs> we're good. I got I got one comment once that I'm I'm pretty sure was was wholeheartedly genuine. Um, where someone accused me of being um a I I, I think it was a Freemason who is in charge of or who is is, is was I was paid by the Freemasons to spread the anti-christian lie of evolution it's true and that is what I'm i am the freemason
1: talk. that paid him um <laughs> yeah exactly i'm making no, good money uh, off this you... thanks for your donations oh
0: my God. I, love it. I mean if you want
1: to be a freemason i can put you in contact with the right people but they won't try and get you to spread the lie of evolution um yeah exactly
2: in fact they would do the opposite yeah, if, I uh, sp- <laughs> if i wanted to get paid to spread evolution i'd be a teacher but it doesn't yeah exactly
1: Go so. be a science teacher
2: <laughs> yeah
0: oh uh, so the next on the list is from Glass of Water for five dollars. Thank you very much. And Glass says vague warning and soup. Oh also, course. editing this video for my channel is killing my hand and ears. My voice can peel paint. I, I'm not even getting to... No. No, but
1: that's it, editing it
0: was
2: this a vague it was a vague
1: warning and soup. Yep.
2: Uh, valid. Okay. Enough said, thank you glass of water. Appreciate thank your contribution. Good, Good soup. Thumbs Good
0: soup. up. Good soup. <laughs> Good soup. Uh, next <laughs> next is from Islong Long for nineteen ninety nine. Thank you very much, Is. Uh damn. keeping thank on for payments of nineteen ninety nine. And you can get this wonderful dog no you no, can't. He's not for sale. You can get the soup. Soup? Yes, you can get some of glass of soup for three easy payments of nineteen ninety
2: nine. Please see We what? are auctioning off their soup. <laughs> oh yes.
0: Uh, she says, keeping on brand of never asking topical questions what's everyone's favorite Thanksgiving food There are valid answers and my love and respect for you who will depend and my love and respect for you will depend on what you say except my low guests can say whatever I, I'm
1: I am a very uh, traditional man um I like my turkey, my mashed potatoes and my stuffing with a nice healthy serving of gravy I do not have anything against cranberry sauce but um I am not a, a huge proponent
0: of the sauce. Mm. I'm even pickier than he is. I'm all in on the meat because I'm borderline carnivore, <laughs> and I like the mashed potatoes. <laughs> I like some of the other like nibble things here. I do not like stuffing. Something about the consistency. Really? Not a fan. Yeah, but I do love pumpkin so, pie. So you don't like the Wawa turkey bowl? I've never had it. You fool.
2: Yes. Did you say Wawa? Yeah. Yes. Oh God! I have, one of my roommates is from Jersey, and he—he's—he's uh, ah, ah. he's, he's trying to indoctrinate me. It's <laughs> oh, good yeah. stuff. Um, it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> as far as the Thanksgiving meal goes, I would—I I think my all-time favorite would have to be the mashed potatoes. You just can't go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, turkey's great. always good, um, but probably the part that I, I really enjoy the most is the uh, apple pie. Apple pie is what does it for me because I I can't eat apples. I'm allergic. I have a stone fruit allergy, so I can't eat like apples and peaches, but I can eat them cooked. So eating an apple pie is the closest I can get to eating apples. Yeah. And the worst part is I developed it. I was not born allergic to apples. I love apples. I just can't eat them anymore. (laughs) The types of
0: allergies that exist in this world fascinate me. It's because medical science has come so far that we don't die naturally anymore. So our body is trying to find ways to kill us. It's really just—it's the epitome of the human condition. It's like if life becomes too easy, we will find things to become stressors. I will find a way to die, and you will not stop. Yeah, we'll never be able to surprise. You're allergic to (laughs) peaches. Yeah, you're going down. Sucks that you like fruit. Deal with this one, don't you? (laughs) Oh my God. Jesus. That's incredible. Uh, the next one is from Iz again for one ninety nine, and she says, "I have my own dog. Archie is safe. <laughs> Thank God. Aww. I don't know what I would do without him in my life. He's a good
2: boy. Man, he is very, very cute. He's very oh, fluffy gosh. looking.
0: Adorable. He's so soft."
2: Next, everything i okay there. paid here the next
0: one is from glass for five dollars and she said for nineteen ninety nine, i will teach you how to be submissive don't try and sell my day <laughs> morning and <in> soup <laughs> Damn,
1: lesson learned we'll be selling no
2: more of your soup but what do you teach us how to be breedable <laughs> No, that that's a, that's part of the deluxe oh, package. God. You have to pay extra for that. Yeah, that's that's
0: well she said in this one for nineteen ninety nine I'll teach you how to be submissive, so it's probably the three easy payments of that where we you get you also get to be oh yeah. Submissive the second payment okay, is and, Yes, and the third payment is yeah, the breathable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have an interesting audience <laughs> Man. Here, and we love it. <laughs> we sure do, my god. Yeah, that's that's, that's looking
1: subversive and breathable, bro. Keep it up
0: subversive and breathable subversive. oh my god <laughs> that's good uh looking subtextual and batheable my dude <laughs> uh,
1: submersive you can really and run with that one submersive and uh, submersive
2: and oh, know, um, submersive and breakable i can't think of anything i'm subordinate Bagel. and
0: i was gonna say breakable beans so <laughs> soup and beans there it is there we go we are officially the most professional yes. podcast on the planet We've it. Yeah, we are done yeah let's All go right. but yeah that's that's Woo-hoo. it on super chats are there
1: are there further questions we'll, we'll give, i'd say we'll give five minutes Yep. um you know are, are there any yeah, super chat questions uh
0: inquisitor Loki said I indoctrinated myself to the Church of Wawa on a road trip with my dad years ago and then indoctrinated my roommate when we went up to PA a couple months ago. Thanks for visiting. It's, yeah, thank you for visiting. Um, um it is yeah. a
1: it, it is a mecca. It is a a mecca of good food. Yep. Isn't
2: um, it just like a gas station? Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. Pretty much.
2: It's like a <laughs> So here's what gas you need to station. understand
1: about Wawa. Um it is it has they just come out they started as like a gas station that also served served fresh made hoagies Mm. Um,
0: good hoagies good hoagies very very good
1: good hoagies Um, but they uh, over time started adding other things and it's just become this uncanny like phenomenon where Wawa will be like hey we have this now and you're like that's not gonna be good and then you try it and it's the best thing you've ever had for five dollars um we got mind more. blowing so like turkey bowls they have, oh. it's just mashed potatoes stuffing oh, I, yeah sauce i already through. mentioned that yeah it's fantastic um they've got uh biscuits and gravy sometimes i love it why is it good i don't know they have quesadillas should not be good or yeah they, they just introduced paninis and they're phenomenal no um, there you paninis. go yeah and they're coffee
0: the coffee Their style. coffee
1: is so good. Yep. It is like gas a, station coffee. It's good gas station coffee, and they have Irish it's, cream creamer. Okay, it's wait. Like, well, here's
0: the thing. This is a good way to look at it. It's like if 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, and like a corner store deli, yeah, got all wrapped into one. It's like they all had some wow. funky polyamorous
1: yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: The love child of yes. all these basically, things. basically. Yeah. And it's a chain. So, all right, we got two more uh, super okay. chats. Uh, Those are the last ones. Uh, one, one of them from Glass of Water for five dollars, saying, you. "For the low, low payment of redacted, <laughs> I can help you join the void and redacted, while also redacted. <laughs> <laughs> join now."
1: <laughs> And then like I mean, a, it's like, I like an SCP text. Oh yeah. Personally, I would love to be redacted. Um, so I mean, who wouldn't love to be redacted? <laughs> the Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been redacted. <laughs> by... <laughs> I don't know how that works as an actual sentence.
0: Too. <laughs> I, I, I want to put that on a shirt. We should. <laughs> uh, and then the last one is from Classy from One Ninety Nine. And he simply says, I'm assuming he, should, uh, whoever you are. They. Uh, they. The uh, they. they <laughs> simply say, Xbox, PlayStation, or PC? Uh, so I play, like,
1: personally, I prefer to play on a controller, unless I'm playing a strategy game. Mm. Um, so even when I'm on PC, I use my Xbox controller. Uh, Assassin's Creed games, I've only ever played on Xbox. Um I assume with a controller it could be fine on PC as well, but Assassin's Creed is a horrible game to play with a mouse and keyboard. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. I, but uh, yeah, so for like, for first-person shooters and adventure games, um, I've definitely always leaned towards Xbox, mainly for the controller format. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a really nice gaming PC now that I bought instead of getting the Series X. I, basically, any game I play on it, I can use a controller. So I'm kind of in a weird spot where like, xbox but if i can run it better on the pc i put it on the pc
0: yeah i'm pretty much exclusively pc at this point purely I, I literally i got a pc in order to play games with my friends when they were going away to college and now that's just kind of the thing because we all have pcs <laughs> so we do that
2: yeah, I was looking at the the ROG laptop you got going on yeah. there, and I was like, "I'm I'm gonna desk PC." I was kind of surprised when you said Xbox. Yeah, yeah, this. I, I'm this I'm this also one's PC person. I'm, that one's also that's yeah. the same
1: computer, just six years newer. <laughs>
2: um,
0: oh yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel that. No, P- PC is definitely my my go to yeah. as well. And it, it's been quite. I think the first like time I've really gotten used to using controllers was going to college, and my friends had uh, a Switch, so I had to like <laughs> learn how to use the pro controller what, and whatnot. What but for Mario that? Kart, it's not hard. Oh, uh, Smash Ultimate. No,
1: no, no, no. I mean, on what on, PCs, on PC? Where you, where
2: you play oh, it? oh, on PC. Oh, as of right now, I've been playing through um, Far Cry Six. Uh, has been pretty good. I recently got tear down because I saw someone playing it somewhere, and that's. Been I want to get that so like bad. Is it old. worth it? It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. I highly recommend it. Right. Um, but as far as like, I guess uh, in this genre, um, I, I guess probably like one of my favorite games of all time is Civ Five. You can't go wrong. Right. With
1: that. Oh man. So. Oh, we could have a fun Civ Five oh. game. <laughs> We could have a oh fun my. we could twitch stream a really fun Civ, <laughs> I Civ mean, Five video. Mean, yeah, I mean me, you, him, Steven, uh um, yeah. Wendigoon would probably I, help in all well, that. And it could be interesting that. because I've never
0: played Civ Five, so you guys could teach yeah. me a little bit. I've played a lot
1: of Civ Five. I'm terrible at it. Um, perfect. I, I'm right. one of those have, people like, who's like
2: hundred hours in that. I'm one of those people
1: <laughs> who like, I want my people to be happy. And then I pay no attention whatsoever to scientific progress. But <laughs> damn, are my people
2: happy. Um, and then we ignorance get ignorance okay. is bliss. That, that, is, that has to be the, the bookend for this podcast. The cliffhanger is going to be we have to put together an archaeology yep. talk I'm totally down I am, I am totally so down. here for it I'm so we here for it we got two
0: more super chats I don't know if you want to go we got that. more super chats? yeah just from Iz and Glass yeah I made a few sure uh, real quick is said, Uh quick, Iz said Thornberry is on thin ice with his answer Mattis is safe <laughs> my good sir stuffing is the best part it is the best part so apparently best. I am wrong uh, no surprises. Uh, oh, we got three. Um, oh, yeah. Glass of Water for $5 says, Redacted is for the lower class. The upper class are getting redacted. <laughs> but the truly miserable can be promoted if in the cult of redacted. <laughs> and then Classy for $1.99 says, Do it, do the stream. And All it's right. like, we um, we, we'll we're, leaning, it. we're leaning towards doing so. Uh, did we have no you got it, this? Classy. Uh, right when we were starting, There was a milk chain? Yeah. Okay, Yeah, right to make sure the milk chain there. got done. Yeah, we, um, can't, we can't have a stream without a milk chain. The milk chain has to be done.
1: Also, <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't seen it, I'm not saying you have to buy it, but we do have the Wendigo Milkman shirts on the... Oh, go check Laura, it out at the very at end. The, <laughs> if, if you I'm go to go the, the lorelodge.shop, you're gonna see some great things and some great original artwork from uh, our good friend Norman Keys. Yes. Um, there is there is a a Wendigo with a milkman outfit. Um, there's there's a Wendigo that doesn't have a milkman outfit, and then of course there's uh, our our logo, which is this guy. Yes. Uh-huh. And these shirts are all extraordinary. solid shirt. They're so comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly nice. comfortable. Yeah. But all right, so I think that that about does it, uh, Milo. Do you want to really quickly want to uh, you know? Plug, plug your stuff. Uh, any, yeah, any I'll d- socials, I'll do my, merch, whatever. Go for it.
2: My little bit at the end here. Um, well anyway I guess thank you guys very much for having me on this has oh, been a course. bunch of fun uh, for those of you that don't follow me my uh, my TikTok is mini Minuteman, um, and I also uh, am on Instagram as mini Minuteman. Um, so if you'd like to check that out or my YouTube they're all the exact same username uh, but I have longer videos posted on YouTube and eventually uh, Ain and I will be collaborating on YouTube to make the uh, um, the ancient Rome debunking video It should be fun uh, but yeah check me out on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube um, I look forward to seeing all of you guys there and uh Aidens, thank you so much for having me here this evening. This has been a ton of fun, and I, uh, I, lo- I look forward to playing Civ with y'all. I think oh, yeah, I'm excited now. I'm excited. <laughs> All right.
1: Milo, thank you so much. Uh, I, I think probably everyone here is probably already following you and everything, but if you're not, make sure you go follow him. Uh, does Do some it. great stuff, even if sometimes um, I feel a little bit hurt by what he says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he <laughs> says it He says it with such a de vive. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> oh, we're really ending it quietly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for stopping yeah, really. by. <laughs> I'm Aiden Mattis, and I.
0: Ah, I, I oh, fuck, I messed it up. I'm Aiden Mattis, and thanks for stopping by the Lore Lodge. <laughs>